0: Welcome to the Organic MD podcast with Dr. Damon Miller. This is Carlisle Coash. How are you doing today, Dr. Miller?
1: Well, I'm just, I'm happy to tell you that I'm doing pretty well today. I just, uh, I'm grateful for that. I'm very grateful today. And how about yourself? How are you doing?
0: Hey, I'm still in one piece. I am walking and breathing mostly, except, well, today the air quality is a bit better uh, with all the fires, but uh, still breathing. So that's good.
1: Yeah, that's just been one sort of weird little, like ice. Well, it's not icing and it's not been a cake, but it's sort of like icing on the cake to uh, um, have. You can't you can't go mingle because of everything going on with the pandemic. And now you can't even go outside and take a walk because the air is so toxic. But hey, what, what are we going to do?
0: Small victory. So anyhow, hmm? Small victories.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so anyhow today today is the eighth of eight podcasts where we've been talking about uh, the different pieces of the better eye health program but specifically what are the things that your doctor doesn't really tell you Um, your doctor doesn't tell you that these diseases can be improved your doctor doesn't tell you that there are things you can do to reverse vision loss your doctor doesn't tell you that that there are things under your control that make a huge difference in not just your health but the health of your eyes so this is the the final one and and today we're going to be talking just about you know we've talked about all the different pieces of the better eye health program the microcurrent stimulation the color therapy the supplements we recommend the elements of oriental medicine and the needleless acupuncture the exercises all those things are really important if you have already developed eye disease or if you have a predisposition to it and you're trying to avoid it but the thing we haven't spent much time talking about and that we're just gonna focus on in this final session is the fact that if you wanna make your eyes healthy, you need to take care of your health. Sounds too easy, sounds too good to be true, but the things you do to take care of your health, they are huge. That's just, that's the the dirty little secret about modern medicine is that most of what you can do to be healthy and even to reverse significant disease is under your control based on choices you make every day. And so we're just here to make you, help you make good choices and giving you some good information about what you can do to take care of yourself. So, you know, I just uh, medicine, Western medicine, allopathic medicine, you know, it talks about the body-mind connection, um, but it doesn't really know what to do with that. So it sort of says, you know, doctors will say body-mind connection and then they don't know where to go with it. So it's just all body. So we're going to be talking about not just your mind and your spirit and your body today. We're going to be talking about all the things you can do to take care of those three important pieces. So I'm going to start, I'm going to say a little bit about the body uh, to start, because I'm an MD and that's where I, that's what I got trained in. And uh, Carlisle, his expertise is really, he's been working for decades with people about their mind and their spirit. So uh, I'm going to leave him to really address those things. but you know the basic things about the body, it's pretty simple stuff. Eat a decent diet. and if you don't know what that is, then take the healthy eating workshop that we offer. Um, don't eat too much processed food, don't eat a lot of sugar. Um, if you're drinking alcohol and you have any kind of a problem with your brain or your eyes, you're 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 drinking, something that's toxic to the brain and the eyes. So give up alcohol, don't smoke cigarettes. They impair circulation to your brain and your eyes, which is already impaired if you have a disease. So do whatever it takes, give up alcohol, give up smoking. Um, You know, a little bit of alcohol in moderation, maybe we we have to talk about that because everybody's idea of what moderation is is more than what I recommend. Um, Get some exercise and do what you can do. You know walk around the block if that's all you can do but do that um exercise is important and it doesn't you don't have to be in training for you know the olympics or an iron man thing but move your body parts around keep your joints supple keep your muscles strong do what it takes and that will uh that will really really serve you and you want to um you know this whole idea of a global view an integrative view of your health dealing for everything not just the body, but the mind and the spirit. Um, Really even more important is that you, I want you to really avoid the idea that there's a quick fix for things. If you have challenges to your health, avoid the quick fixes because most of them are gonna deal with symptoms and not cause. Uh, Chinese medicine has a great way of talking about it. They talk about dealing with the root of the problem, not the branch using the tree as a metaphor. Hmm. So you wanna go and you wanna work with the root of the problem, not just with the the symptom or the branch. And uh, again, it's a big discussion. I don't wanna really, I just wanna introduce it, but the thing you wanna really avoid if you have eye disease is you don't wanna take a lot of the prescriptions that are given you that can compromise your eyes, things for allergies, things for immune function, things for you know even heart disease, blood pressure, urinary problems, a lot of those, drugs really have a negative, negative impact on your eyes. So you want to find a way to deal with those problems without taking those drugs. So that's, that's really, oh, and I guess the final thing is, um, you know, there's been a lot of work that the health of your digestive system affects your brain and your eyes, the health of your heart and your cardiovascular system affects your brain and your eyes. So, you know, you can't, you can't isolate, Uh, and just think i'm just going to take care of my eyes you got to take care of the whole package it's one big package and then the other two pieces of the package are taking care of your mind taking care of your spirit um i'll just say one thing before i I turn this conversation this part of the conversation over to carlisle but um one of the differences that you find between how oriental medicine looks at the notion of spirit and The way that say oriental medicine looks at the notion of spirit is that in oriental medicine the way i was taught is that 95 percent of all the people who come to you are dispirited and that's at the root of the physical problems they're having and if you don't care for their spirit you're not going to make them better and fortunately oriental medicine one of the things i love about it is oriental medicine is full of ideas and tools and techniques for touching someone's spirit, lifting it, helping it, supporting it. So, in Western medicine, you know, just to use as an example, if you want to become board certified in internal medicine, you basically read Harrison's textbook of internal medicine. It's in, it's like, I don't know, it's like twenty-seventh edition or something now. Hmm. Uh, Harrison, you know, wrote a very thorough textbook. You basically you memorize his textbook, and then you go take the boards and you get board certified in internal medicine. That's not easy, but that's what you do. Still today. Well, in the introduction to the original few editions of that when he was alive, Harrison says, Doctors, I need to let you know that 80% of the people who come to you are dispirited. So even he said, you know, he said 80%, Oriental medicine says 95%. The point is, a big majority of the people you see have an issue with their spirit that you need to deal with. And old time doctors, they understood that. You know, one of my mentors was a country doctor who, you know, he basically had his day divided up that in the afternoon, you know, people who needed some quick fix, some adjustment of their meds, or they needed some stitches removed, or they need, you know, this or that, um, you know, he'd be seeing people, you know, four or five, six of them an hour in the morning. And then the afternoon, he'd have 45 minute appointments for the ladies who'd lost their husband who needed to come in to talk about their health problems that he knew had, it was just grief. You know, it was mm. just, they, they needed uh, someone who cared to listen. And, you know, so he had these longer appointments for people where basically he was working with their spirit and mm. and very effectively. So yeah, um, spirit's important. And um, it, it's not easy, but you can do it. So Carla, what, what, what do you, where do you wanna go with this?
0: The couple of things that came to mind, one, uh, just remembering I took over a session that you used to teach at Stanford around spiritual existential, cultural perspectives around illness. And I had taught it actually for a number of years and two or three years into it it's a it was a module in in a larger set of modules that their medical students went through days and days and days of you know an hour lecture here, another hour, another hour and a half, kind of going through all these different topics, all medical topics. And then I would come in almost like a afterthought. Oh, and then there's this emotional, cultural, spiritual, existential thing. And I think initially I had like an hour and a half. And as the years progressed, it was, oh, just we have an hour now. Oh, um, can you do it in like 45 minutes? <laughs> it just got shorter and shorter. And I even asked the person at one point, I'm curious. Actually, in the class, I asked the group that was mostly doctors and uh, some um, nurse practitioners. I'm curious how many of these kind of sessions, it sounds like you're doing a lot of different sessions on all sorts of topics. I'm curious, how many sessions do you do about this kind of topic? And they uh, kind of stared at me silently and said, you're it. You're pretty much it we don't really do we have someone comes in about social work stuff but it's all logistics about discharge and i thought that's really interesting hours and hours and hours learning about all of this different stuff but yet a piece that seems to me kind of important is yeah. an afterthought is a, oh yeah okay we have to do this whole thing about mind and spirit the the um the two things now that I've shared that part, but the two things that come to mind, and we've talked a lot about our spiritual, emotional health. One of the things I think we also do with mind and spirit is quick fix as well. Like just as we're doing the quick fix for the physical stuff, I think we do that also for our emotional and our spiritual, our existential uh, quick fix for our grief. Like all of these things, we just want it done. And that actually also is not the best approach. We need a long view approach in which we're working on these things every day. We're deepening our understanding of our emotions, how things play out in our lives. So one of the things that I do in teaching in terms of Buddhist tradition is there is this incredible heritage now almost 3000 years old in terms of Buddhism, of looking at our minds and looking at our emotional state and how emotions play out, how we act out our emotions. And you know, one of the things that's a very, very old practice is if you are, for example, if you're struggling with anger, well, when the anger arises in you, chances are it arises in a similar pattern, in a similar way. It feels a certain way in your body. It might even have a color or texture or quality when it arises. And the certain tradition uh, in, in Buddhism would say, it's not enough just to say, "Oh, yeah, I get angry sometimes when I'm not hungry, or when oh, not when hungry, but like you know, oh, I get hungry and I get irritated and then I get a little angry and then when I eat, I feel better." You know, that's that's something I that's something I always used to hear growing up because my dad would get a little grumpy and my mom would go, "Are you hungry? Do you, have you eaten anything today?" <laughs> Which always usually made him a little more irate, but you know. Uh, So, you know, whatever that there here is the thing that manifests and here how it manifests and I only do the surface level, you know, if I'm even if I'm relating to working on it, I may only do the surface level. But the thing is, in at least in the Buddhist tradition, uh, and it's not just unique to Buddhism, but but I would say that the Buddhists definitely go, okay. if we're going to do this, we're going to go 15 levels down into what it's like and. You would take time to evaluate every aspect of that anger and be able to actually map out how it is triggered when it arises in your body. Being able to, oh, oh, you know what? I feel this thing in my body starting, like this tightness in my chest, or I'm feeling like getting flush. You know, that usually means anger is coming. Okay, right now I can do something different about it and I can change it and bring my mindfulness to it. But that takes time and effort to figure that out, to build that resilience and that that resource for yourself. And the so many times every day, I, I, I see articles about mindfulness or, or meditation and it's how to do it really quick. Yeah, just do two minutes of it, that's all you need. And sure, it's good to do two minutes a day if you can, if you can do any meditation a day, that's good. However, it's also about building a long-term approach and going deeper it's not just calming for the moment but how do i understand my mind and how it works how my stressors work so that i can manage those and therefore they will be more supportive in those moments when i when i need to de-stress and the other piece and we talked about this a little bit is our inability to grieve and to work with change in our lives is woefully underrepresented certainly in in this culture but i think also globally because i see people from many cultures struggle it's it's so often yes this loss has happened and i just grin and bear it or I just grip my teeth and i push my way through it and you don't do the work and don't respect the grief and the grieving process and it continues to apply itself to situations down the road and can profoundly impact our ability to just do basic coping. So one of the folks, uh, people who we worked and were were friends with and worked with for a number of years, Saban Fusome, who was from West Africa, her community knows deeply about how to grieve and she taught us a great deal and, uh, during uh, her time on this planet about how to grieve and how to integrate it into everyday life. Um, I think we think that if we grieve, we're somehow it's gonna destroy us or we're gonna be weak as a result of it. And frankly, anyone I've ever seen really work on their grief on a regular basis and incorporate that into uh, their health plan, if you will, are almost always stronger for it. So those are just the two things that kind of come to my mind.
1: Well, and I think, you know, you, you've you touched on one thing, which we haven't really said before, but I think it's really, I'm I'm hearing it, and it's worth repeating, because I think it's really important, which is, um, you don't have to become a Buddhist to work with these things. But oh, no. This, no, but this notion that um, there is a way that you experience these things in your body, that it's not just your mind, and the... Uh, and that can be that can be very useful because you you know it's so easy to just get into your thinking about something into your mental state into your mind and just spin with it and um, but if you if you kind of go well where am I where am I feeling this in my body where is this in my body um, two things happen I think one is that most of us don't think that way most of the time so it gives you almost a kind of a way to objectify it and work with it, it, it doesn't seem so, so crazy. But also, uh, I think there's a way that your body really appreciates that kind of attention. It's like, hey, I'm holding this for you. You know, and when you kind of come and say, yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, thank you for holding it for me, you know, and, and I, I, I'm here, I'm here, I'm, I'm, I'm with it, I'm with you. Um, you know, there's a, a kind of engagement. And I'm going to even go a step further to say, And this is something I just hold to be true. Um, And many, you find this in many cultures as well, but there, things happen for a reason. And I'm not trying to dismiss, you know, that, I mean, yes, bad things happen in our lives and in the world, but to just brush things off as though, or be judgmental you know this is bad and i just need to get past it real quick or this is good and i need to i want more of that um you know if you're you know what what happens when we become just more of an observer you know we just say wow this is this is the way i feel this is what's happening this is what's going on and and it's neither good nor bad it's just it's what is and um this becomes a little abstract, I realize. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that just to plant the seed of it, and I, we'll probably have to come back to this in future future podcasts. But um, just notice, you know, that's that's very much just just notice what's going on, um, because you're never going to change anything if you don't even see it. So just start by trying to notice. But these are all things you can work with. You can work with. The ways that you're dispirited, you can work with the ways your mind is frazzled and confused. You can work with the way your body might be uh, not functioning at its utmost. Um, and I, the whole point of, for me, of this discussion is that all these things are connected. You know, you are you are one person. There is one package, and it has all these different aspects. And if you get if you're if there's an insult, you know, you get a trauma, or a loss of someone important to you, or You know something like that happens it hits all of you it affects your body it affects your mind it affects your spirit and if you want to pull yourself out of it and heal yourself you got to deal with all those different things and um and i yeah we definitely have to come back and talk more about um dealing with the spirit dealing with the mind um and uh and i'm saying we have to do that because that's you know that's the part of taking a global view of your health, an integrated view of your health that is just kind of really missing in in much of modern medicine. You know, you, you go to you look up you look up something on a web search and it'll tell you what drug to take, but it won't tell you how to deal with the root of the problem, deal with the causal factors. Mm-hmm. So, exactly. so that's just that puts the onus on up us to, to right. talk well, about well, that. All right. Okay. I think that's, that's pretty good. So again, this Thanks. is the, 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 last of eight. We may even put this together into a book. I think that would be a good idea. This, the, the eight things your doctor doesn't tell you that you need to know to heal your eyes. So, um, any, any other final thoughts before we, before we end this? I don't think so. Okay. Well, wow. I'm just, I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad I'm doing well. And, um, and we'll be back. Uh, we did do one other Podcast just on how to deal with the healthier lungs in the midst of all the smoke. So, if you live in California, you may want to find that one.
0: Or our Oregon or Washington.
1: Or Oregon or Washington, yeah. And, uh, you know, it helps us if you like our podcast, if you uh, share it with people and uh, subscribe. And so, we'll be back again. This is Dr. Damon Miller here in Northern California. Thank you, Carlisle. Thank you, Dr. Miller.